Baron Bala uh, is from originally from the Congo and pastors a church that meets here called Bridge of Grace. Uh, so I would like to invite uh, Pastor Baron to the stage. Uh, I've had the opportunity to hear him uh, preach on several occasions and have always enjoyed him speaking. And so would you please give him a warm rent community welcome? Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> thank you for this, uh, such a warm uh, welcome. I praise God for this uh, wonderful opportunity it's given me to be here with you and uh, share the word uh, with you this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Caleb, and uh, the entire leadership of the church for, um, for trusting me this much with this, uh, with this pulpit. Um, and um, I'd like to invite us to pray a little bit before we get started, shall we? Father, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and blessings. You have really indeed blessed us by giving us such a wonderful morning to get together in your presence in this place, O oh Lord, a place of worship, but a place of fellowship as well. We thank you for everyone who's in this place. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of preaching the gospel. You know that uh, uh, the least qualified to do this, but it has pleased you to uh, call me to this, and I say, um, so be it. Thank you so much. Um, may your spirit and the Holy Ghost uh, help me um, uh, communicate your word to your people this morning in a way that glorifies Christ and him alone. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, by the grace of the Lord, we're going to be in the book of... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. This morning, we want to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter uh, 11, uh, putting on chapter of the Bible. Um, I'm going to read a bunch of verses. We're going to read from verse 23 down to 27. Hebrews, chapter 11, 23 to 27. The Bible says this, By faith, Moses, when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was, uh, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is the word of the Lord. This morning, I want to talk on this topic, uh, seeing, see the suffering of Christ and grow in faith. That basically means that there's a correlation between the growth in faith and the ability to see the suffering of Christ and make sense of those sufferings or that suffering of Christ. And Christ died on the cross, rose uh, from the dead on the third day and is now seated at the right end of the Father, 
And that Christ is a Christ who suffered a lot on this earth. And that suffering is not something that he intends to separate himself from or to distance himself from. It is something that he views himself as something glorious. That's, that is why even all the way through the eternity, we will, shall be glorifying him as the lamb who was slain, the lamb who suffered, who went through challenges, difficulties, sufferings of all kinds in the hands of human beings. And uh, the thesis I want to develop this morning for us is that the understanding, the view, the perception of the suffering of Christ leads us to grow spiritually. But let me back up a little bit. The book of Hebrews, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> some of us who are accustomed to the reading of this book, we basically know the context in which uh, the writer of this book was uh, penned this uh, uh, this uh, writings, uh, it was in the count. It was writing to the Hebrews, Christians were of Hebrew or uh, Jewish origin. Why? Because back then in time there was a situation that prompted him to do so. And what was the situation? The situation is that in this early church, as the church was growing and uh, and uh, <clears throat> proclaiming the gospel of Christ and teaching. And proclaiming that Jesus Christ, who was who suffered on the cross, was crucified, was raised from the dead, and actually is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and is Lord over all. And that type of message really inconvenienced uh, Jews, Jews, because on one hand they saw that really for having been the assassins of Christ, having crucified Him. You know, uh, as on the, excuse me, having crucified him on the basis that he was not the uh, long-awaited Messiah of the Old Testament, they felt like, you know, this type of proclamation was putting a judgment on them. That if really he was a Messiah, then we made a mistake of having killed him. So therefore we should repent. It is a sin. But yet they were not ready to repent. And therefore, they're stuck by their guns and say, no, he is not the Messiah. And if he's not the Messiah, therefore, we should stop these folks who are going around proclaiming that he is the Messiah, that he was raised from the dead. And therefore, he is the Lord that everyone should believe in. So that is how they started persecuting the church and trying to stop this, the progression of the church. Or that is the growth of the church because it was perceived by them as a a radical uh, movement. It wasn't godly. It wasn't coming from God. So they had to stop it. Uh, You know, uh, um, that's how the Apostle Paul, you know, uh, was going around as well to arrest uh, uh, Christians and uh, persecute them. But on the other hand, this same message of the Lordship of Jesus Christ was a problem for not only the, the Jewish, uh, the uh, Jews, but also for Romans. Why for Romans? Because Romans perceived in the articulation of the, uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ as a threat to their empire. For them, the only Lord was Caesar. The one who was reigning and controlling the entire area. But now, these folks, uh, these illiterate, 
were going around and proclaiming that indeed that crucified God guy was raised from the dead and he is Lord that everyone should believe in in order to be saved. And not only a Lord who was a spiritual Lord, but actually a political Lord as well. Because it would actually reign on earth and reign and take over from Caesar. Well, we need to stop these guys. Because now they were taken um, in sandwich. They were sandwiched, so to speak, on one end, a position coming from Hebrews and on the other side, the position from Roman Empire. And we have to stop these folks. And as though that was not enough, there were other folks who had uh, believed, presumably believed in uh, Christ who were going around. There were Jews and were saying that, hey, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> believing in Jesus Christ is not enough. But you also need to add on top of that observance to the commandment of Moses. They called them the Judaizers. We're going around preaching that. So now you can put yourself in the shoes of these believers who are so excited about Jesus Christ and believing in him. On one hand, being persecuted by their own brothers. On the other, by the foreigners. And then a confusion about the message and, uh, and the, 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 uh, about the, the identity of Christ. And all the while losing the property because they were being persecuted at some time. They had to run away leave behind them their properties and all that to make sense of the new life they were now faced with in Christ. And therefore, some of them decided that this was kind of too much. This was kind of too much. Why? Because we're losing it all. And this Christianity, this Christian life is becoming a danger, a dangerous thing against our lives. We're losing our lives. Some of us are being killed. Others are being arrested and losing our property and losing everything. Well, we thought that he was the Messiah coming to help us. He's the Lord. What does the Lordship now here mean? And then, naturally, they were tempted to abandon Christianity and go back to their safe Jewish religion. They were like, this is kind of too much. We can't take this anymore. Let's go back to Judaism because it is kind of safe there. After all, we will still be praying to God. So we're just putting a hold on this Jesus thing. We want to go back so we can at least ensure our safety. So comfort becomes an issue. And therefore, now the writer of this Hebrew, uh, the letters to the Hebrews, had to sit down and write. To justify to them why Jesus was important to continue following, worshiping, and uh, believing. So that's how he wrote this book. And that is why when you read the book, uh, you start reading the, uh, the, uh, 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 this epistle. From the beginning, you're going to see uh, he, he start off as um, <clears throat> telling them, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You're getting it. So what he's doing here is showing them that, yeah, there's no point of going back to Judaism because Judaism was actually pointing to this Messiah, to this Christ. So that's how our prophet, God spoke to us in, in the Judaism through prophets in many ways, in many uh, different times, but all these was for the purpose of pointing us to Christ who is now actually the very radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So he started exalting Christ and lifting him above everything and showing that all, if, so in other words, making a point that going back to Judaism was actually missing the whole point of Judaism altogether because Judaism was given to us for the purpose of pointing to this Jesus Christ. And if you continue reading, reading, um, reading the text all the way to chapter 11, you will see that, that there's no such a beautiful book in the New Testament that really is painting Christ in such a glorious picture as the, the, uh, the piece of Hebrews do. And all this in the midst of difficult times and challenges. And this speaks to the love our, of our God. If, if, if I were the, re, the writer of this text, I wouldn't have proceeded this way. I would have started with a strong rebuke. I'm telling them, you can't, be, you can't be doing this. This is unacceptable after all Jesus has done for you. But the writer, wiser than I am, and in, most importantly, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is coming to the rescue of the faith of these folks by painting Christ in his glory and by doing so, Revealing that that glory is embedded in the suffering that he went through. And therefore, making the point that we're trying to make this morning, and that is, if you can only see him through the suffering, the pain that he went through, you will see his glory, and that glory will strengthen your faith will lift up your faith, will help you grow because the suffering that you are going through, the pain, the challenges that you're going through is not intended to extinguish your faith. Rather, it is intended to um, strengthen your faith and help you grow more and know him more. I know we all face challenges in one way or the other. You know, uh, uh, Life is made of challenge. If you've been around for some quite some time, and I can tell, 
all of you guys have been around for, for some time. Uh, you, you, by now, you know that it, it doesn't all the time go your way. There are times where you celebrate, you're happy, the Lord is good. He has done this for me, he has done that for me. And there are times where it's all go black and then you, it becomes meaningless and it becomes difficult. It becomes, uh, let me just go because uh, today is Sunday, let me just go to church. And where do you find strength when that happens? And that is how this author is coming to our rescue, knowing that we are Seattleites. Sometimes the weather plays into it and uh, really bugs you down and then you feel depressed and all that. Uh, but you got a paycheck, everything is fine, but you just not in the mood. Or something has happened in your family, something has happened to your health, or something has happened to your career or something, your relationship, and you feel down. And this great writer, uh, this author is coming to our rescue. And when he reaches chapter 11, now it stops being theoretical. It stops being doctrinal. And now is more practical. Now it's giving illustration. Now it's giving, uh, it's digging into the past to see, to, to, to let these folks know that if you are faced with these challenges and your comfort, your, your, your joy is threatened, your happiness is gone, it's becomes, uh, it has become an illusion. There is comfort. There is hope. Why? Because there is a list of bunch of people who went through the same thing. And look how they handled it. Look how they handled it. So, so that you don't, you don't feel strange. Uh, you, you don't feel, you, you don't look at your situation as a, something strange that is happening to you. Because the devil takes, takes advantage of that. To show you that there's something wrong, intrinsically wrong with you. But there's nothing wrong with you. In other words, this is normal. Relax. This was supposed to happen. Why? And then amongst the people that he mentions, and then he gets to Moses. And I would like to share with you what happened to Moses. Um. He says this about Moses because he, he gives a, a long list. Of, this, is, this is a hall of fame of heroes of faith that we have in the book uh, in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And this is what he says about Moses in verse, from verse 23, our main text. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden from, for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, the parent, Moses' parents, when they had Moses, they saw that the baby was so beautiful, they, won't, they, didn't, they, they decided to hide him. Why? Because the edict of the king was saying that, you know, we are afraid of these folks, these Jews guys. Because um, they multiply pretty quickly and uh, pretty soon they will take over our country. So we're going to get back, our country back. Um, so um, <laughs> we, 
we don't want to get to that point, so we're going to get our country back. But um, let me say to the, the midwife, if it's a boy, kill him. The girl, let him live. Let her live. But when Moses' parents saw um, that their child was so beautiful, they decided that they going to spare his life. So the faith of his parents protected him. Sheltered him from the threat of death. And that's how he, he ended up, you know, in um, the palace of the king of Egypt because mother, his mother was, you know, struggling to keep him alive and hiding him. And uh, someday Pharaoh's daughter saw this little baby and uh, took him home. And Moses, by faith, ended up in the palace of the king. And now he was enjoying the privileges of being Pharaoh's daughter's son. But the Bible goes on to tell us in verse 24. So so meaning the point I like to um, uh, highlight before I move on is the fact that faith can lead us to protection, to the blessings, the good things. Believe God, you'll be blessed. Believe God, you will get this because he promised that you'll bless your profession, uh, your, 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 your life, you'll bless uh, your family, you'll get these good things. So they believe, the parents believe, and Moses got this great blessing to be a to be member of the Pharaoh's family, so to speak. But in verse 24, the Bible says, goes on to say, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, uh-huh, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. When he grew up, when he was a child, he was taken care of by someone else. Someone else's faith covered him and uh, protected him and blessed him and, and all that. But when it grew up, something changed. And that gives, give, uh, 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 gives me the idea of growth of maturity. That's where I'm saying that seeing the suffering of Christ and grow in faith. The idea of maturity comes in on verse, in verse 24. Moses, when he grew up, it changed his mind. In other words... That week, and, and when he grew up, he changed his mind. He was about 40 years old now. He's 40 years old now. What had seemed as a, as a blessing, as a privilege to be in the, the king's palace, to enjoy all the protection, all the privileges and, and, uh, and honors and all that, now, for some reason, Moses changed his perception of those privileges. Why? Because the text says, tells us he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused that. The very thing that protected him, the very thing that sheltered him uh, against uh, uh, death, the very thing that made him 
uh, reputable in, the, in, the, in Egypt. He refused it. He despised it. The Bible says what? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Uh-huh. What is the sin here? The sin is the very thing that he's refusing to be identified with. That is, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The very thing that 40 years earlier was perceived as a blessing, as a good thing, as a deliverance. Now is seeing it as a sin. Because that thing came with, uh, came with, 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 with pleasures. And why, how come that this was, uh, um, was, 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 a, was viewed by him as a, as a sin? Verse 30, 26 says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endures as, see, he endures as seeing him who is invisible. I'll get back to 26, verse 26, but I want to say something about 27 that is going to help us and lead us to back to 25 and 27. And that is, by faith he decided, now that he has despised, he doesn't like to be daughter's, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter's son anymore, he decided to leave Egypt, to go away. And the Bible is telling us, by faith he left Egypt. This raises a problem with me when I'm reading the text, biblical text. And what is the problem? Is because when you read Exodus, which is basically his own narrative of, um, he's the one who wrote Exodus, Genesis, the Pentateuch, you know, the, five, the first five books of the Bible, Moses is the one who wrote them. And uh, when you're reading uh, Exodus chapter 2, you're seeing something interesting there. And that is, one day, Exodus chapter 2, uh, 11 through 15, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to them, uh, to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Does this, does this sound like he left by faith? 
He was afraid. He was worried about his life. Because the king advised to, to kill him. So he had to flee from Egypt, from Egypt, afraid that this man, this king will take, uh, uh, will take, uh, will, 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 will kill him. And yet, when we're reading Hebrews, the, the author of Hebrews is saying, by faith, he left. What's going on here? Something is definitely going on here. He goes, he left by fear, and, and, and here is left by. So in other words, the writer of Hebrews is in, reinterpreting the reality. I mean, what happened to Moses when he was in, the, uh, in Egypt, when he left Egypt. He's interpreting this Christologically because basically he's pointing us. He's actually even saying in verse 25 that I say that I, I, I'll go back to. Choosing rather, I mean, 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. What's going on here? What's going on is that we have to admit, uh, we have to understand the truth about faith. Faith does not mean that human uh, feelings are suppressed or they are in existence, or fear is not there. A man of faith is, is not a man who has never feared. No. Actually, there's no faith until there's a fear, until there's a doubt. Then faith can make sense because the faith comes from hearing, and what we hear comes from the word of Christ. So meaning that faith is, a, is not something that emerges from our feelings, emerges from our our understanding emerges from, from ourselves. It, it is the gift of God. God gives us the gift of faith. At the same time, you see the, the, the uh, like I saw Peter, you know, he saw Jesus walking on the waters, and then he's like, Lord, um, if it's really you, uh, order that I may join you in the water. Why did he ask if it is you? Ordered. Why? Because he was afraid to go on his own. To step out of the boat, the boat and, and, and join Jesus on the water. So he was afraid. That is why he turned to the Lord to ask for a word on which he will base his faith to walk on the water. And when, that, when the Lord released that word and he walked on the water. And guess what? Fear was still around with him. Because the moment that he stopped looking at the Lord and started looking at the... Uh, at the storm, and then it started sinking, uh, you know, and, he, 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 and, and it turned to the Lord to save him. What I mean is this, there is some sort of a mystery in the faith. When you are faced with situation, you feel fear, you feel sometimes, not only fear, but anger, you feel uh, uh, doubt and discouragement. That does not mean that you cannot Act by faith. That simply means that this is the best time to turn to the Lord so that he can inspire you the faith that you need to walk, to act, to do something, to get out of the crisis. 
And that faith will not come, so you, you're not going to dig into your past to try to find the faith. There's not going to be any faith in your past. There's not going to be any encouragement in your experience. Because faith is not the summation of experience. It is something that comes from the Lord to us. Faith is Christological. That is faith. In it, it has an inbuilt contradiction. It would always be, it will always uh, confuse you, so to speak. A moment you have faith, another moment you don't. That's not abnormal. That is normal. So, you, so that in the end you can say that this is not me, this is not us. This is the Lord who has done it in me. And you can give him all the glory. So Moses by faith he left. That means that the moment that he was afraid, something was always, already happening in himself. And that is the fact that he had killed this man was an indication that there was some sort of a struggle going on in him. These are my people. He must have heard a story about these people, given his position. He must have asked, who are these folks who are working so hard for us? They're telling, oh, you know what? These people uh, are Hebrews, and this is what happened. And uh, eventually, reading between the lines, we can tell that he must have come to the understanding that the knowledge that <laughs> is part of these people. So that is why he wanted to protect one of them by killing the Egyptian. So in the meantime, when, when that incident happened, he was afraid. The same time, but there was a, 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 a seed of faith growing in him already. And it is on that fact that he acted and he left. So to speak, my friend. And uh, he left. So, so, so don't, don't think that you are abnormal. You are not a true Christian when sometime today, this Sunday, you're happy. You know, you believe, yes, the Lord will do something for me. Yeah, I'm trusting the Lord. And then the next day, your situation goes down or you feel depressed. It is normal. Because that is a process of growth. That is a process of growth. We grow fear, faith, doubt, faith, doubt, faith. Such that there's nobody who owns faith permanently. No one. No one, including myself, preaching to you this morning. I don't know about, um, you know, after this sermon, maybe something will discourage me or something will happen. Or I don't know. But... For now, I believe what I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm believing what I'm preaching. And my feelings do not discount the truthfulness of the word because the faith is based on the word of Christ. So you're growing. And you will go through incidents and challenges and problems. You're not going to grow by reading Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In between, you're going to go up 
and down. Then the Bible goes on to say now, he, he, he left, but why did he leave? And this is the crux of the matter. The crux of the matter is that verse 20, from verse 25, it says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He considered the reason why he left. Of course, in the immediate context, to be quite honest, and to be quite logic, you know, he left because he saw that his folks, uh, his people, in their suffering, their suffering, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, cool. Thank you. He, in the immediate context, he left because of this conflict that was there, you know, people suffering, and uh, feel sorry about that for them, and then and then he acted by killing this Egyptian, and as a result, Pharaoh is mad and want to kill him. But the writer of Hebrews is telling us something different here, something above that, beyond that. And he's saying that the reason why he left, because he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That's the reason why he left. By the end of the day. This was uh, an act of extreme stupidity. When we look at our context today. You the son of daughters. The king's daughters. Uh, and uh, you have all these privileges. And you want to quit all that. Go down and become a to identify yourself as a slave. That's an act that our culture today cannot understand that. It doesn't make sense when we get that closer to American dream. It simply doesn't. And more importantly, we don't see Christ in Exodus. Which Christ is he talking about? Which Christ this author of Hebrew is talking about? Moses saw Christ prophetically. He saw pro uh, Christ prophetically. You know, what helps me to understand this is the fact, the very fact that when we read the Pentateuch, the story of Israel, you know, the first, first five books of the Bible, so those books that were written by Moses. And Moses writes in Genesis chapter 20, uh, uh, in uh, Jeff, uh, Genesis chapter 15, he says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, uh, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servant there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possession." 
And for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. So in other words, Moses is writing here and most likely he knew about all these things before leaving Egypt. Most likely. Why? Because he's the one who wrote it. And uh, certainly he heard a story about these people, about the covenant that their forefathers had contracted with God. And the, that covenant said that the Lord talked to Abraham when he revealed himself to him and signed a covenant with him, actually uh, confirmed the covenant of uh, Genesis chapter 12. And he said to him that know that your offspring will be sojourners in a, in, in, in a land that is not theirs. In other words, God was not reading the future. God was not reading the future. He was ordering the future. So he wasn't like, you know what? Something is going to happen to your offspring. They're going to be uh, in slavery for 400 years, but after that, I'll come and deliver them. No. He was saying that this is what I will do. I will take them there, and I'll order this to happen, and when I do that, I will rise up, and I will deliver them. It is no wonder when God met later on Moses, Moses met the Lord, and the Lord told him, go tell Pharaoh to let my son go. To let Israel, he was equating Israel to his son. In other words, when God looked at the Israel's suffering, he saw for him, he was seeing his son. In other words, he was seeing Christ. So therefore, when Moses heard about these stories, about this word, he realized that these people are suffering now. They are suffering as a part of a plan that God had prepared. And God had ordered. God had ordained. And therefore, the same way that he had ordained that they will find themselves in the suffering, he will also come and deliver them, be faithful to himself, like he promised to do. And when that happened, there will be judgment over Egypt. So therefore, the pleasures that I'm finding myself in now, or with all the privilege of being daughter's, uh, 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 Pharaoh's daughter's son, will turn into a judgment. So I rather, as I see it, now decided to be on the other side so that when that judgment happened, I'm on the right side. So that is why the, 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 the writer of Hebrews is interpreting that reality to mean that when Moses saw the suffering of the, the people of Israel and realized that these people is people, and not only that, but also that these people have promises of God of deliverance and and the backflip promises of judgment for the people or us uh, uh, causing them to suffer when that God will rise up I will be in 
trouble. I better start moving now. What is faith? And then he decided to despise the pleasures and the privilege of Egypt so that when God's time comes, it will be on the right side of history. But remember, God is the one who ordained those events to happen, to take place. How did he bring Israel into Egypt? He brought them through Joseph as an act of uh, saving them from the anger. Uh, I mean, the, hung, the hunger. The hunger in Canaan. He brought them into Egypt as an act of saving them and blessing them. And after the blessing, pain comes. The suffering comes. And the suffering comes why? Not because God wanted to cause them to suffer for the sake of it or taking pleasure in the suffering as though he was an a, 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 a evil God. No. But God allowed the suffering of Egypt, of Israel, because if they had mingled with the people of Egypt, they would have made it impossible for God to isolate them and to fulfill on them the blessing that he had promised to Abraham. And therefore, in his sovereignty, he ordained that Egypt will isolate them and cause them to suffer as a means of keeping them separate from the gods of Egypt. And therefore, the, very, the, the good moment when the time comes, he would pull them out of Egypt and separate them because he had decided to make them, of all the people of the earth, to make them his own treasure, his own property. Friends, that is why we need to surrender to God's sovereignty and trust God. There are things that are, it is, it is only us now as we read the scripture that we're making sense of this. Can you imagine when children of Israel were going through this? 430 years of suffering and pain. No, crying, losing their children, losing. But yet that suffering was so that he can identify them with Christ. He can set them apart so that from them the Messiah would come and save them and save the whole world. So that in the end, God will receive glory that he deserves. Seeing the, glow, the suffering of God, the suffering of Christ, we will grow into, into faith. We'll grow into the glory of God. And we will grow into the likeness of God. What has happened to you is not God's judgment over you. It's a judgment over the evil. But a blessing over you. A blessing over you, over your life. Do not worry about your future. Do not worry about what's going on. Trust the Lord. The only problem that we have nowadays is that we are control freaks. We want to control everything. We want to make sure that we understand everything. That's why we have all kinds of apps. There's an app for anything. But there's no app for growing in the faith 
but to look at the cross of Christ, to look at the suffering of Christ, and see in that suffering an opportunity to grow spiritually. So that is why the Bible says, consider it all um, joy, all the trials, all the challenges, all the difficulties. Because God knows why. He has forsaken you. He hasn't abandoned you. He is with you. Actually, the suffering is a proof that is with you because by allowing that suffering is identifying you with Christ. So you know that you are Christian not only because he has taken the, hand, uh, the, the anger away from you, he has, he has taken all the curses away from you, but also he is allowing you to go through challenges and difficulty. And that way, God is helping you to grow, to get to know him better. Why? Because he doesn't want, he doesn't want you to be like the people of this world. You are his people. He loves you so much. The only thing that makes people of this world happy is their performance and uh, the good things they receive. And God has decided to give us his glory by hiding it behind suffering and challenges and difficulties so that they don't take them away from us because they are not attracted by that. If they see us struggling, they think that now we're going through the worst. Yet we're going through the best because now out of that suffering, our is going to grow. We're going to grow. Moses is an example for us. Hang in there. Trust God. Rejoice. Wipe your tears. The Lord is with you. And when believers, Hebrew believers heard about this, read this book, do you think that they decided to go back to Judaism? No. They said, no. Now we understand. Now we're making sense of all, all that's happening to us. And therefore, they continue their faith. And how do I know that they did not go to, back to Judaism? Because we have received the gospel today. It is the perseverance through the challenges that brought the gospel to us. As some of them got killed. Some of them got imprisoned. Some lost their property. They lost all the belongings. But because God had in view, you and I, we can sit down here, a guy coming from Congo with a half-baked English and uh, with Americans sitting here teaching them the gospel of Christ and only, only the suffering of Christ, only the cross can do that. Because when you look at the cross, he said, because he suffered, I will suffer too. And that is his way of loving me this morning. But when you're going through it all, it's painful. What do you do? Just turn to him and pray. Say, Lord, help me. I understand, but it's not easy. I understand, but you know it's not easy. Come and help me. Strengthen me. And he's going to do it. Let's bow heaven. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your word. Uh, 
pray that this morning, you know, or some of us may be going through, the devil has been coming around trying to show us that if you really loved us, why this, why that? Today, the Holy Spirit has shown us that this is because you love us. Help us, Lord. I've really tried hard this morning, Lord, by trying to communicate this word to your people and uh, my friends. And I pray that the spirit, your spirit will do more than I can, could have imagined. Thank you. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.